Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Two decades after Adolf Hitler terrorized Europe, a high-ranking religious figure in the United States, Archbishop Valerian Trifa, was embroiled in controversy. Romanian immigrants identified Archbishop Trifa as a man with a secret past, responsible for the murders of hundreds of Jews during the war. Trifa denied it. To see whether Trifa played a role in these horrific war crimes, the United States government looked for scientific proof. Sir, could you confirm your name for me, please? My name is Vera Trifa. In 1950, a Romanian immigrant, VRL Trifa, came to the United States to start a new life. Trifa told United States immigration officials that he was a victim of the Nazis during the war. He said that when he left his native Romania, he was taken prisoner by the German Gestapo. He said he was held at the Dachau concentration camp and was lucky to escape with his life. After the war, he said he struggled to survive. And then, like hundreds of thousands of refugees, came to America under the Displaced Persons Act. The Displaced Persons Act was a statute enacted by the U.S. Congress and signed by the president in 1948 that had um, the noble purpose of rescuing uh, victims of persecution in Europe who were languishing in the so-called DP camps and resettling them uh, in the United States where life uh, would be better. This is a copy of one of the forms Trifa filled out for entry into this country. In this official account of his treatment by the Germans, he says he was a political prisoner held by the Gestapo. In 1957, Trifa was granted U.S. citizenship. Trifa had strong ties to the Romanian Orthodox Church, and after coming to the United States, he was ordained a priest and quickly rose up through the church ranks. Trifa became Archbishop of the Diocese of Detroit and took the religious name Valerian. But soon, a cloud of suspicion and controversy surrounded Archbishop Trifa. Some of the Romanian immigrants in his church thought they recognized Trifa from their years in Romania. They said that a man named Trifa had been an ardent follower of Adolf Hitler during the war, and that Trifa was a leader of the Iron Guard, a pro-Nazi group in Romania. The Iron Guard was the largest of the uh, fascist uh, movements in Romania. Um, it was um, violent. It was uh, anti-Semitic. 
it um, was the equivalent of, of the Nazi movement in, in Romania. This picture shows an Iron Guard rally during the early years of World War II. The similarities to Nazism, the salute, the uniforms are clearly evident. And like the Nazis, the Iron Guard was also anti-Semitic. And like Hitler, the Iron Guard encouraged violence against the Jews and against others they perceived as enemies. I was... Archbishop Trifa adamantly denied he had ever been a member of the Iron Guard. If the charge was true, it meant Trifa had lied to U.S. immigration officials. And it also meant that a high-profile religious leader in the United States was in fact a Nazi war criminal. Romanian immigrants living in the United States identified a high-ranking religious figure, Archbishop Valerian Trifa, as a Nazi war criminal from World War II. They believed that Archbishop Valerian Trifa had once been a member of Romania's Iron Guard, sympathetic to Adolf Hitler, and a group who encouraged violence against Romanian Jews. On January 20th, 1941, VRL Trifa had broadcast a hate-filled radio address from the Romanian capital city of Bucharest. That radio address, encouraging violence against Jews, culminated in the roundup of thousands of Jews in Bucharest the next day. News accounts described the slaughter known as a pogrom. Department of Justice Prosecutor Eli Rosenbaum reads one of the news accounts. Uh, perhaps the most horrifying single episode of the pogrom was the quote-unquote kosher butchering last Wednesday night of more than 200 Jews in the, in the uh, municipal slaughterhouse. The Jews who had been rounded up after several hours of Iron Guard raids were put into several trucks and carried off to the slaughterhouse. There, the green shirts, he means the, the Iron Guardists, forced them to undress and led them to the chopping blocks where they cut their throats in a horrible parody of the traditional Jewish methods of slaughtering fowl and livestock. Romanian immigrants told U.S. authorities that VRL Trifa was also the editor of the Iron Guard newspaper, Libertatia, which also called for violence against Jews. Trifa's role, as far as the pogrom was concerned, was one of a propagandist, one of an advocate of uh, anti-Semitic hatred, one of an inciter whose writings created an atmosphere in which this kind of violence uh, not only became permissible and acceptable, but encouraged. The U.S. government now faced a dilemma. Was there any way of finding out whether Archbishop Trifa was a past member of the Iron Guard? The only apparent evidence against Trifa was the decades-old memories of his fellow Romanian immigrants. All of these cases were and are among the most challenging ones that anyone in law enforcement could ever imagine confronting. 
Uh, all of these cases involve crimes that took place long ago, decades earlier. It's difficult enough to prove a mugging that took place yesterday. But one Romanian refugee, a New York dentist named Charles Kramer, refused to let the case die. Kramer's relatives were among the Jews killed at the hands of Romania's Iron Guard, and he vowed to bring Archbishop Trifa to justice. For 20 years, he petitioned the U.S. government to examine the case. In 1973, the Department of Justice officially opened an investigation into whether Archbishop Trifa had played a role in murdering Jews during World War II. U.S. prosecutors approached the West German government for assistance. The Germans kept meticulous records during the war. And in their archives, investigators found 22 postcards written by a man named Trifa, who had been a member of the Iron Guard. Whoever wrote the postcards was no concentration camp survivor. The writer was a guest of the Nazi government and spent the war years in relative comfort. They essentially describe what he's doing during the day, if he's seen a movie, what the weather's like. Very normal, mundane type of stuff that a, an individual at peace, without much fear of his life, might write to his comrades while on a vacation. The cards were signed by VRL Trifa. If they were written by the man known in the United States as Archbishop Valerian Trifa, the Archbishop had lied to immigration officials. Forensic scientists looked for some way to prove that Archbishop Valerian Trifa had written these postcards. Rumors circulated that Archbishop Valerian Trifa, a high-ranking religious figure in the Romanian Orthodox Church in the United States, was once a member of Romania's Iron Guard, a pro-Nazi group that encouraged the murder of hundreds of Jews during World War II. Archbishop Trifa denied he was a member. But when U.S. government officials found 22 postcards allegedly written by Trifa from Germany during the war, they asked document examiner Gideon Epstein to conduct a handwriting analysis. No two people have ever been found to have the same handwriting. Not twins, not identical twins. Handwriting is composed of motor, muscular, and nervous movements of the body, all working together. And it becomes habitual and unique and individual almost from the point of time when people start to write. Epstein spent months comparing signatures on the postcards with samples of Archbishop Trefa's known signatures, like this one from an official church document. The whole forensic concept is that you're comparing something that's disputed against something that's known. And handwriting is basically the same thing. We have usually a document or a writing that's disputed, and then we have writings that are known. And the question is, did the person who make the known make the disputed? Epstein noticed that the writings in all cases were done with extreme speed, or what is called fluency. 
So-called fluent writers have wide variations in how they write. And those variations are almost always the same, no matter how often they're repeated. But to try to simulate or copy the style of a writer that has a great deal of variation and to be able to simulate that variation at the same speed and the rhythm and fluency with all of the unconscious habits that the writer has, it's an impossibility. After months of analysis, Gideon Epstein reached his conclusion. There was no doubt the writer of the German postcards was Valerian Trefa. This was proof that Trefa lied to immigration authorities, but he vowed to fight any deportation. Prosecutors were concerned. Their only solid evidence was the handwriting analysis and eyewitness identifications that were more than 30 years old. But looking at a blow-up photo of one of the postcards, investigators saw what they thought might be a clue. The card had only a return address, apparently just an update on where the writer was living. On a large blank space, investigators saw what they thought might be a fingerprint. They petitioned the West German government for the actual postcard and were denied. The West Germans did not want the postcard damaged. And in the 1970s, the powders used to detect fingerprints would have permanently altered the card. The case stalled for years. I believe that the immigration service felt that the case was just too difficult. They couldn't handle it. What brought the case back to life was a new piece of forensic technology, the laser. In the 1970s, researchers discovered that laser beams react with the oils that form fingerprints, causing the prints literally to glow or luminesce. The procedure was non-invasive. In other words, a print, if it existed, could be taken from the German postcard without damaging it. In 1982, the West Germans brought the postcard to FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. to be examined with laser technology. But there were a number of problems. Investigators were not even sure the postcard contained a print. And so much time had passed since the postcard was written, there were questions about whether the finger oils that might be present would be visible, even with laser technology. In 1982, the U.S. government's investigation of Valerian Trefa, the Romanian Archbishop of Detroit, was coming to a head. Prosecutors suspected that Trefa had lied about his involvement in the murder of hundreds of Jews during World War II. Trefa said they had the wrong man, that Trefa was a common name in Romania, and that it was another man named Trefa who had been the member of the pro-Nazi Iron Guard movement. The case came down to one postcard signed by VRL Trefa in Germany during World War II. Forensic scientists suspected that it may contain a fingerprint. 
If a print was found and it matched Archbishop Valerian Trefa, there would be solid proof that he had lied about his past. Analyst Ron Capacco put the card under a diffused laser beam. The laser light reacts with human finger oils to reveal prints. But in this case, the card was more than 40 years old. And there were questions about whether anything would be found. Copaco, examining the card through orange-filtered goggles that eliminate all sources of light other than the laser, was surprised at what he saw. A clear print glowing on a blank area of the postcard. Despite the age of the postcard, it had absorbed enough finger oil to form a clear print. The question was whether the fingerprint on the postcard was the fingerprint of Archbishop Trefa. Capaco photographed the print on the postcard. In this photo, the print, a left thumbprint, can be clearly identified. Investigators now went to the document Trefa entered the U.S. with in 1950. At that time, he was fingerprinted. The thumbprint of that document was compared with the thumbprint taken from the postcard. It was a perfect match. The prints on both documents were the left thumbprint of Valerian Trefa. The ultimate uh, proof is a latent fingerprint. There is no uh, known way to uh, fabricate a latent fingerprint in, in a way that uh, is, is undetectable. This 40-year-old print is the oldest latent print ever detected by any law enforcement agency in the world. Well, the postcard was a very important piece of evidence because not only were we able to identify his handwriting that he denied making, but also the thumbprint uh, was identified as his. And uh, there is no better form of personal identification than to have both the fingerprint and the handwriting of an individual identified on the same piece of evidence. There was no way he could have known it, but the postcard he so casually sent in 1942 would seal his fate some 40 years later. They went for the fingerprint to see if they could get it. Um, prosecutors always want to have the most proof available on hand. When informed of the thumbprint match, Archbishop Trefa surrendered his citizenship. For Romanian refugees like Dr. Charles Kramer, who had lost relatives at the hands of Trefa's Iron Guard, the 40-year wait for justice was a long one. I would have been much more satisfied if the trial went on continuously, exposed this murderer with all the crimes that he committed, and let the people at large know that a man that changed the gun for the cross does not belong in the United States. For two years, no other country was willing to accept Trefa. In 1984, Portugal agreed to take him in. After a youth spent as a fascist leader and adulthood spent as a religious figure hoping to escape his past, Valerian Trefa ended his days as an exile, dying in Portugal in 1987. 
Though decades had passed since Hitler and his henchmen terrorized Europe, the traces they left behind provided lasting evidence bearing witness to their crimes. We don't have a murder weapon, we don't have a body. What we have is paper. It's paper that survives to bring these people to justice. Some with fingerprints, some without. Really speak volumes about the crimes that were committed by Trifa and by others. And it's those documents that survive, even though the victims didn't survive, the documents survive to make these prosecutions possible.